This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed professional. But do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. One is all, and by it all, and for it all. And if it does not contain all, then all is nothing. The success of the metaverse reality depends on wholesale participation. It is the reason why we are being subjected to high-level psychological and social engineering experiments demanding 100% participation. A training exercise for the big reveal. Their endgame is enslavement of humanity and total control over all life. Be clear on what your endgame is going to look like. Dan Crashley. Fabiola. Oh, Fabiola, I had you muted. I'm so sorry. I know. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We are back at it here. Uh, it is October 31st. We did some trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we have an exciting show here. I mean, it's a little yes. it's a little bit of, 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 of Hodge a hodgepodge. Podge. You're probably already asking, what the hell was that quote at the <laughs> beginning there? You'll want to re-listen to that one again. It's actually part of a larger piece that we could uh, maybe link to if I can find it published out by that Dan Crashley character. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, we want to kick it off with uh, some Del Bigtree and yes. Jeffrey Jackson from, that was from the most recent? That was from Thursday's episode, and the big news of the week was the uh, yeah, approval, approval, the the advisory committee approved the vaccine, the Pfizer shot. For 5 to 11 year olds? 5 to 11 which is still a recommendation because it's under EUA. And because we have children between 5 and 11, we want to talk about that. Put that out there because it's a subject close to our heart. <laughs> well, and I, and I think just sticking this in the podcast for the the, yeah. uh, the time capsule's sake, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a great, uh, we got a few clips to go through, but it's actually not a ton of time as some of these Dell clips are really long, but mm-hmm. these are only, I think, three and a half minutes a piece or so. So let's go ahead and-, and Wait, di- wait. Oh, okay. The plug for our Telegram. Oh, group. yeah, yeah. Again. <laughs> Good point. Hey, thank you, know, you. Okay, you're on. What top would of you this. do without me? I know. I don't know what I would do. So, so yeah, the Telegram group, the Collective Resistance Podcast. Download Telegram, search for the Collective Resistance Podcast, and join. Uh, we'd love to have you there. Uh, we're we're growing daily, uh, a few users at a time. So please join and continue the conversation online there. Okay. All right. Well, so then, as far as these clips, shall we go ahead and just jump into the first one, and then we can start sure. talking about these? All right. Let's oh, do, do you want to see who is the advisor committee, real quick? Oh, okay. Just yeah. So oh, people oh, know yeah, okay. who so, we're talking about. So what? What Dell and and Jeffrey Jackson, his lead investigative reporter, are talking about here is the uh, vaccines and related biological products advisory committee, which uh, is the the group that is basically making the recommendations around to the FDA, to the FDA. But, but there's some important things to remember about this group. You know, first of all, the advisory committee provides independent advice and recommendations to the FDA 
on scientific and technical matters related to the development and evaluation of products regulated by the agency. Although the committee provides recommendations to the agency, final decisions are made actually by the FDA. So very important. And then it's- That is funded primarily by Big Pharma. Yes, yes. But let's also talk about what the committee is made up of as far as the individuals. We have scientific experts, including physician researchers, statisticians, engineers, medical faculty, chemists, biologists, and other science-oriented professionals. There is a consumer representative, there is an industry representative, and then there is an FDA patient representative. So that's, uh, and I think, was it 17 members? Overall, I believe. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to count? Did you? Well, I don't did know. I, I just thought, I thought that's what it was because I thought that's what the vote was like sixteen and O or something like that. No, and one abstained himself. He wasn't even brave enough to cast a vote. I yeah, that is pretty who lame. All of them are. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Nineteen individuals. Individuals. Okay. So it is Arnold Monto, Amanda. Co- oh. Arnold Monta voted yes. Amanda Cohn voted yes. Arcara. Well, they, they all. Let's not go through everyone. Okay, that's, that's a little bit. But they all voted yes. Just, just name the guy who voted uh, who abstained. Mike uh, Michael Carilla. Carilla. He was the only one, but the, the rest of them all approved. They all voted yes. I just wanted people to know who these individuals are, so you can hold them accountable in a few years when they have their trials. Well, we can link to the list, right? We can put a link to, to their board so you can find out all of the member names so that you know who, who they are. You can look them up on LinkedIn and then post very unsavory commentary on their LinkedIn profile, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into this first clip here. Let's just listen. We're going to go right to these videos and audio of, of the conversations happening. So the first clip here is Dr. Cody Messonnier. He had a lot to say about this, including uh, his worries about it being extended to school. Take a listen. Okay. The issue is, is side effects or uh, adverse events that might be occurring after this uh, vaccine. And I'm torn. On one hand, we know that, that many mothers and fathers and parents are eager to administer this vaccine uh, to children because they're so frightened, perhaps overly so, but they're so nervous about uh, this vaccine because of uh, what's been stated, that they really are anticipating having access uh, to this vaccine in children. On the other hand, I think we saw that 68, approximately 68% of the children who are hospitalized with COVID-19 um, have underlying comorbidities. So that means about 32% do not. And then if we were to take 40% of that group, that may have immunity already, we're getting down to a very small percent of otherwise healthy 6 to 11-year-old children who might derive some benefit. And we simply don't know what the side effects are going to be. 
we don't, for example, it's not even clear that this vaccine will reduce rates of transmission. We're hoping that's the case, but we don't know. This vaccine is probably not going to prevent infection. It's going to prevent severe disease. So my worry is that I think I, my, my thought is that this vaccine should be available for those parents who, who are very eager to get it, their child, and because their child has a, a comorbidity or they're, they're, they're concerned themselves. But to give, I'm just worried that if we say yes, that the states are going to mandate administration of this vaccine to children in order to go to school. And I do not agree with that. I think that would be an error at this time until we get more information about the safety. It's amazing when you listen to Dr. Cody Messonnier there because it's like directly the opposite of what we just heard in that news, right? 100% effective, totally safe. And he's like, we don't know any of those things. We know nothing about these things. And what's amazing is the point he's saying is, you know, I'm torn because on the one hand, I know we have a bunch of hypochondriac type parents that are totally freaked out about this virus, maybe unduly so because of what they've been told by all of mainstream media that's funded by pharma to scare the hell out of everybody when there's no real issue here in children. And for those people that are just spinning over this thing, I guess we've got to make the vaccine available as though, the, you know, talk about, you know, backwards science. Like, let's let the people that don't know anything about this that are totally being wrongly misled by all of media and are afraid for reasons that don't make any sense. We got to make this product that's totally untested. We don't know what's going to do to their kids available to them. I mean, it's, right, it's, it's right. badness. And remember, they voted, the, the vote was, do the benefits outweigh the risk for the kids in that age, not right. do the benefits outweigh the risk for a political talking point of immunocompromised right. kids from a small group, a subsection of a subsection. So although Dr. Messinier did say a lot of great things. He ended up voting yes as well to to vote on this uh, on this on this on this uh, vaccine EUA. So uh, I guess I guess his hopes and thoughts are weren't really that uh, not worth being him. ridiculed by everybody else that says why didn't you vote for it? We were all in on it. You want to be a member of the club? You know, you right. want to go down in history as the one that was against this vaccine? I have news for you, Cody. I think you wish you'd gone down in history as been one of the dissenting voices against this because this is going to be a disaster. All right, what'd you think? Yeah, it, you know, it's heartbreaking that, and I've been noticing that in all the communities we've been part of, you know, specifically right now, where we are, the community of our school, where a minority of people that are just freaking out because they can't turn off their television, um, are basically inspiring everybody with unhappiness <laughs> so that you have to do what they want you to do, you know? And, and they're the people that can't think straight because they are so scared. They're not going to sacrifice their children to the gods of the vaccine when they don't need it, where the risks are unknown, you know? And the benefits are like, it doesn't prevent... <laughs> I mean, he said we hope that it prevents infection or transmission, but later he says it it doesn't. We know it doesn't because we have breakthrough infections left and right. So it's just very disheartening. 
you know, and just to, and, and what makes me even more upset is that I fell for that 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I was like, there's no way in hell these scientists did not study this stuff. You know, and if they're, my doctor's telling me it's safe, it's safe. And then turns out that it wasn't safe. I have an injured child. And then I started looking at these studies and found that they were all done by, by, by the manufacturer. So there's no third party evaluating if whatever they, conclusions they found are right or wrong. And then to top that off, none of the child, the, the vaccines that are recommended in childhood have been really tested for more like than, you know, than a week. Like the, the patients that were part of the trial, they were only observed for like a week at most. You know, so this is insanity that we live in a world where let's just go ahead and give it to the population and see what happens. And people fall for this. And I fell for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and I didn't uh, educate myself enough to put up a fight there. You know what I mean? You sold me, you know, when yeah, we went through I that. I thought I was absolutely doing the right thing. And I remember one of our pediatricians, uh, when I asked a question about, you know, adjuvants, she, she turns to me and says, well, none of the vaccines we have in stock have any preservatives. <laughs> <laughs> and you know why? Now I realize she never read a single insert. It was probably just the big pharma rep that came over to the office. Just and tell just people that. Told her that, and she totally bought it. And then she disseminate disseminated that. And I, <laughs> in my head, I had like peace of mind. Oh, okay, I guess that's good. And it's just, it's just. Well, and I, I, and I think what is really interesting, he makes the point at the end that even though this doctor had some really good points, he still voted yes. He so, still voted so yes. It, and then right after that meeting, all the headlines, the vaccines were recommended to be safe for 5 to 11-year-olds. And in California, of course, moving forward with now coercing parents, yeah. parents, they have to get the shot so they can go back to school. Well, but, but I mean, so think about that. I'm sure that if you were listening to mainstream news, you heard this, okay, it's being recommended, it's safe and effective. But we just showed you in one quick clip that in the actual uh, uh, review process when they were, when they were sh sharing their thoughts, there was at least one doctor who had major concerns. Major concerns. So one of these 19 individuals who is making the decision for the entire uh, 5 to 11 age group um, uh, to get this vaccination has major concerns. And I thought his concern sounded well-founded. He still votes yes, which what's interesting to me, and, I, and I, again, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I wonder if they vote yes and they have concerns like this. I mean, are they at least asked to uh, submit a, a statement as to, well, why did you vote yes, even though you had these concerns, you know yeah. what I mean? Because because here's my thing is, is if, if these things aren't red alerts, then what is a red what alert? Is a what red is a red alert? alert? You know? Yeah. All right, well, should we jump to the next one? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. 
And Dr. Rubin basically asked, do we have any idea why this is happening, the underlying cause, this vaccine-induced myocarditis? And he was told, not really. Uh, and again, Dr. Rubin, just before we go to this next clip, Dr. Rubin is the editor-in-chief of the New England uh, Journal of Medicine. This is a New England Journal of Medicine that has retracted and forced to retract uh, studies on hydroxychloroquine showing mm -hmm. that or claiming that it caused uh, harm, uh, ivermectin as well. So this is uh, this next clip. Keep that in mind when you listen to this. Take a listen about uh, what he's what he says about his vote, which is a yes. Okay. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, um, that's just the way it goes. I mean. Folks, this is how your science is being done. I mean, you couldn't get more willy-nilly than this. And, and this idea, right, that this whole question was the obvious question. Is the vaccine, now what is the risk-reward-benefit ratio? Is the vaccine safer than catching the disease as it is? Do we know? Do we not know? I want to bring it up. We've done it almost every week. But it's so critical right now that we remind everybody about the issue of myocarditis. The CDC itself put up this graph. It was so important. Once again, folks, if you look at the age groups on the left, this is just a small group of children they looked at that suffered myocarditis with a control group. They expected zero to three cases in the girls between the age of 12 to 15. They had 12 cases of myocarditis. But look at the boys. This is where it really goes down. Between 12 and 15, they expected one to five in the background rate, which would be the natural amount of myocarditis you would expect out of a group this big. There was 117 cases. 16 to 17, a possibility of zero to three cases was 121 cases. In 18 to 24, maybe there'd be between 1 and 11 cases, 213 cases. What are you talking about that, you know, well, the benefits outweigh the risks and we should all vote yes. And then I think this was a study that came out of Israel talking about myocarditis, had an incredible statement that really sums this entire conversation up right in the middle for boys 12 to 15 without medical comorbidities receiving their second mRNA vaccination dose. The rate of cardiac adverse event is 3.7 to 6 0.1 times higher, 600% higher than their 120-day COVID-19 hospitalization risk, meaning if they caught COVID, their risk of going to the hospital was 600% less than the risk of being injured had they gotten the vaccine. That's the end of the story. I don't even know why they're having this conversation. This should have been done. Instead of, you get an almost unanimous yes, and by the way, you know, to, what was the name of the doctor that uh, abstained? Uh, Dr. Michael Carrillo. Oh, let, let's see. Here's the vote. How'd they vote? Let's see it. I can read myself. Here we go, folks. Michael Carrillo was the only one that abstained of all this. But he, I have news for you, Michael. Vote no, would you? You got a conscience. What is with this abstaining crap? You vote no. You made great points. Stand up like a man. Stand up like a doctor. Remember your Hippocratic oath and vote no when this insanity is going on around you. Not abstaining out of the vote. Anyway, this is sad. There they are, folks. Don't ever forget them when you're rushing your child to the hospital because suddenly they're having issues with their heart and now they can't play sports or they can't do anything like the other hundreds of kids the CDC already knew about. Those are the people you can hold responsible. We'll never forget them. Their names will live in infamy. Yeah, I mean, it is just ridiculous. We've got to just give these vaccines to know what it's going to do. And, and you and I both sure don't, don't want to say their names, you know, in case they don't have time to watch the video. Okay. I mean, you can, I, I whatever you want to do, if you feel that strongly about it, you know? Yeah. So, so the names again, I feel, I feel sportsman to say 
Arnold Monto, Amanda Cohn, Arkara Chatterjee, Cody Messner, uh, Aveta Fuller, Stanley Perlman, Pamela McNeese, Offer Levi, Melinda Wharton, Michael Curlis, Harley, uh, Haley Cans, Jay Portnoy, James Hildreth, Eric Rubin, which you just heard from, Paul Offit. You guys should know that dude because <laughs> he's always in the forefront. He wrote books about and developed vaccines himself, so no conflict of interest there. Paula Annunziato, Steve A. Pergen, Jeanette Lee, Jeanette Lee, yeah, Mark Sawyer. And the only one that abstained was Michael Carrillo. And you're going to just hear his speech right now. All right, let's see here. Let's listen to another no, voting member, Dr. Michael Carella. Uh, he's actually the director of NIH's Division of Clinical Innovation. Uh, he abstained, by the way. Uh, listen to his comment. Check this okay. out. And while the benefit here is, is assumed to be prevention of severe disease, which is what we're all hoping for, uh, my one concern I have is that particularly for that population that has of children that has undergone a previous that has experienced a previous COVID infection, which CDC estimates as 40% of this population, which I think is probably a, a, a floor. I think it may actually be higher than that. The question really becomes: Does this does this vaccine offer any benefits to them at all? Uh, are they are they actually very well protected? And the other aspect here is for children who have undergone, for example, a Delta infection, does now vaccinating them with a strain that goes back almost two years from the vaccine they're, from 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 the time they're getting the vaccine, does that actually help or hurt their current immune system with regard to ongoing variants? I don't think we know that. We have no idea. Um, I think for many children who have experienced COVID already, they're probably more than adequately protected. One dose may be uh, sufficient. I think for the high-risk children, it's very different. But I will emphasize again that this uh, dosing interval, the way it was put together, is suboptimal in terms of durability. And I think that there can't be any expectation that the, that the antibody decay rate is going to look any different from the adults, and then these children are going to be expected to have a booster in another six months. Um, and I think the focus on cases, reducing cases, is really what's going to con confound us because I don't think we're going to be able to do that. We're going to see vaccine breakthroughs in this population, and it's going to cause all the same problems that COVID does, whether or not they're vaccinated. Man, is this smack? This is so much like the, you know, the famous CDC meeting we, we showed of the advisory committee over the hepatitis B vaccine, where they're all asking great questions. Did we, you know, do proper studies mixing this with other vaccines? No, we didn't, but we're going to do that anyway. I mean, it's like all of these great statements saying clearly we don't know anything about this vaccine. And these statements he's making, you know, where he's basically saying, I don't think you're going to see any reduction in cases. This, just like the adults, I think this vaccine is going to wear off. I mean, he's 
admitting it right there to anyone that didn't hear that. It's going to start wearing off within about six weeks is his concern. And then you're going to have a booster within six months. So, you know, we're going to just put these kids on the conveyor coronavirus vaccine conveyor belt that you are now on every, what, three months, four months, five months, an another booster shot. And then this idea that what, what he's talking about, this reduction in serious illness. I mean, Jeffrey, you and I both know that almost no kids are having any serious reaction. This is the spin, right? They talk about of the percentage of those kids that end in hospital, this percentage could be protected. The kids that end up in hospital is so tiny. I mean, it's so tiny. It was conflated and lied about, and, you know, they had to retract the newspaper on that. But I want to point out a couple of things when we're talking about this. You know, when we're talking about, because this, this is the, the real dangers or what's really going on here. You know, we know myocarditis is one of the big issues, right? I mean, yeah, oh, actually, yeah. you have a video on that, right? They even brought that up. Yeah, they brought in an expert to talk about myocarditis. He gave a presentation to this, uh, this, this FDA committee of advisors, and he was asked an interesting question by one of the voting members. Take a listen. Okay. You were comparing classic myocarditis and its outcomes with what might be happening to, uh, with vaccine-associated disease. In classic myocarditis, I know in adults is often associated with direct viral infection of the myocardial of the myocardium or rheumatologic diseases and, and inflammatory. Uh, uh, what do we know from the small amount of biopsy and pathology material from uh, the cases in children that might tell us anything about underlying mechanism and might you know make us more comfortable with the predictions that you can make from the classic myocarditis case? Yeah, uh, I wish I could give you a good answer to that. Um, but what I can tell you is, and I just looked at this yesterday, um, you know, of those about 800 or so, you know, 800 to 900 cases um, that we've called, you know, myocarditis, I think like one or two have actually had biopsies. Um, biopsies not, you know, routinely used, especially uh, in, you know, younger adults and in this population. Um, so, unfortunately, I can't uh, talk about that. Um, a number of the adults at least went to calf to rule out a myocardial infarction, but they didn't necessarily grab uh, a biopsy, or at least if they did, it wasn't reported uh, to CDC. So uh, I think we don't know yet, um, but it'll be fascinating to learn more about it. You can already hear the spin in there, right? They're, they're renaming something by calling it, this isn't classic myocarditis. This is vaccine-induced myocarditis. Mm -hmm. So we can't really use our science that we know about classic myocarditis, which is, you know, people that suffer that die within about 10 years, as some of the studies show. They don't want that to be attached to this. So did we do any biopsies to see if there's any difference between the classic myocarditis and that we caused by the vaccine? So that, as he put it, maybe we can become a little more comfortable. You can make us a little more comfortable with forcing this on children around the country. And, and then... The answer, again, outrageous. Out of 800 cases of myocarditis, how many biopsies did we get? I don't know, maybe one or two. We might have looked in this, but not enough to actually come to any conclusions. But go ahead. Vote anyway. Please vote anyway. You know, let's break this down. Easily. You know, at the end of the day, what did we learn here that we already knew? These people, they're voting putting people's lives at stakes, they don't know squat. They don't know anything. It's a, it's a big theater of them asking proper questions to each other and then basically tipping their hands saying, they have no data, go ahead and get it. They have everything to gain. The FTA has everything to gain. Big Pharma has everything to gain because they have the, liabil they have the liability shield. 
And people on the other end have everything to lose. They're doing it on faith and they're being misled by the the media and our government and let's we, go Brandon. And with their <laughs> let's go Brandon. Yeah. And with their most valuable possession in this world, you know, their mm-hmm. their children, you know. Yeah. It's uh Which we were as parents, we were tasked with this mission of protecting them and we are all being manipulated by big pharma by the government by the media and by our very own doctors you know but i mean how i mean you, you have disgraceful. You, you have to imagine what kind of person could listen to what these doctors are saying. And, and they, they don't. That's the thing. They're all pro-vax, pro-let's do this, let's make the sacrifice. And I'm sure 100% of them didn't even know this meeting took place. Yeah, but but no, but I'm saying like these doctors, I mean, they even sound in their, their responses like they want to know these things. You know what I mean? They sound like oh, they... Oh, I completely think it's theater. Really, but but I mean, I think they go to school. There's probably some s- webinar or seminar they have to go through to learn how to do how this to shit. Because the the pol- politicians do the same thing. I mean, it's all theater, you know. If the COVID, one thing we learned from the COVID age is, it's clear who's on your side and who's not on your side. Yeah, you know, like it's very easy to see. But we thought it was important. That's kind of the biggest thing that that's been going on with the vaccine right now. Um, you know, obviously there there's a lot of activity around booster shots and things of that nature. Um, I think some stuff that happened. Um, I think Israel is already talking about what a fourth fourth booster. booster. Yeah, I mean, there's just really it's just really. I, I crazy. wonder what the number will be for well, people to realize. Okay, I think I was scammed. I think I was gone. <laughs> what number would he be? I don't Four, know. Four, ten, thirteen, twenty. You know, um, that kind of leads us into uh, some stuff that we've been because uh, uh, you know that that's more the macro, right? That's what's happening at the macro, and yeah. then you know what we're dealing with in the micro in our own given situation. You know, just this past weekend we had a great uh, kind of a conjoined birthday celebration for all three kids since their birthdays are very close to one another. Mm-hmm. So the second one this year, <laughs> the second one. This year. Um, but uh, we we had. Uh, uh, I don't know how many people we had over. I don't know, 25, 30 with kids, maybe Mm -hmm. 30, 35. I like to throw parties. Yeah, yeah. We called it the super spreader event. The super (laughs) spreader. But we had that. The spreader of critical thinking. (laughs) But don't you think it's it's, um, really refreshing how, like there isn't one person at that party that you can't have a, even Just a conversation. We even talked about what flat earth. <laughs> yeah, that that was the nutty thing. You know, I remember I sat down at one table who was talking about flat earth. We're and, not flat earthers. And, and, okay. and, well, yeah, and I but I, I sat down. Nothing at, wrong with flat earthers. We just don't know enough about it. Just, I, I, I was just listening and and uh, um and I stood up at one point because you know they had uh, they had people at the table that that clearly were not flat earthers and then they had a couple people who who were and and uh or actually those people said they didn't like the name flat earther you know that's like anti-vaxxer right so yeah. they don't want that pejorative used but yeah. uh um anyway so so good uh, discussions you know it's interesting because 
I think, you know, 12, 15 years ago, I don't think we even knew what it was like to be with a group of people where you can basically just talk about anything and nobody's going to cuss you out or tell you to shut up, you know? Well, well that was the fun thing because yeah. I was sitting there because here I am, I'm like... Uh, I don't really have a dog in the fight. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't really give a shit. You know, I'm not going into space. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't really care what it is. So, so uh, uh, I'm just listening. And, and, uh, and I thought they were both having very good uh, argument back and forth. Obviously, clearly nobody was going to be swayed either way. But, but I got up at one point and I said, hey, just time out. I just want to say how awesome it is that we can even have a discussion like this <laughs> yes. because, you know, in the, in this uh, dynamic in uh-huh, this day and age, I mean, setting, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, these people are talking about flat earth, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it, because here's the, and the, they were making fun of each other. sounded like a little bit. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Oh around, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? But the mood was super light. It was awesome. You know, I was taking pot shots at both of them, you know, both sides. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like they just. I had a shirt that just said "Devil's Advocate." You know what I mean on both sides. Yeah, and I'm of more it. of the theory. This is all holograms. So. Yeah, we're just in a computer simulation. Yeah. But um, you know, it, it, we wanted to make sure that we we um, talked a little bit about what we were experiencing and and uh, you know having all the kids in our real lives. Yeah, but having all the kids. Where we have real jobs. <laughs> Uh, all the kids together, you know, and, and seeing them, I mean, it, it was a lot of kids that were over mm-hmm. here and they had such a good time, yeah. you know, and they're all different ages, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they probably span, you know, obviously uh, Tess, she's four, mm-hmm. turning four, she's probably, four she's probably 13. the youngest, right? And yeah, yeah, all the way through 13 and uh, they all get along. I mean, they're all playing together. They're all playing card games and, mm-hmm. and running around. They did the the pinata for candy and all that. I mean, it was it was just killer. And then there all was the sugar at this event. A, just so you just know. a little bit, yeah, a little bit of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like clean candy. Yeah, we had most of that got left behind. Still, though, I spent all that <laughs> money on that clean candy, and they still yeah. left it behind. I would have left it behind too if I went to a party like this. I'd be like, I don't want my kids eating that. I'm kind of glad they did. I'll hide that in the secret stash. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll eat some of that. Don't do that. <laughs> but. Um, you know, and then and, and then just having that uh, that group of people, even though we're not of exact like mind, we are mm-hmm. all of like mind that we are open minded. Some of us would be unnecessary, right? Right, right. So so uh, it's just refreshing to have that group of people, and we had a, we had some of that. You know where we where we came from too. Mm-hmm. You know, we had individuals like that. I think we've we've uh, because we're we're in the school, we're going through some of these challenges related to masking and the things of that nature. School. We've been able to kind of find some, some really like-minded people very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, something that's been happening at the school. A lot of them came from the tyrannical Republic of California. Yeah, a lot of that. Um, or up in the Northeast, right, Connecticut mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting hearing those stories, why they've come here. Um, and then a lot of these people, you would see them and you would be like, I just would not peg them to have those views. You know, you, some of them you would think, oh, these are, these are, uh, on one side, these are yuppies, you know, mm-hmm. who are just yeah. w- want to go along with everything. And then on this side, these are really crunchy people. Mm-hmm. They're going to go along with the, 
more liberal mindset. But no, everybody kind of comes together around this medical freedom thing. And that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is awesome. It's fun because you still get different flavors on it across the board. And there's there are, strength in numbers. Yeah, yeah. And so something that we have been going through with the school is around mass, which I mean, you know, mass we're still talking about these. It's crazy. You know, we came up to live up here because they're really not doing mass anywhere in the mm-hmm. state of Idaho. Not even the public school. E- except the private school mm-hmm. that we are sending our, our kids to. private school. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, I mean, they are. Let's say that the measures, the intensity of measures keep increasing, even though we were told at the beginning of the year that we're not going to be doing this. Yeah. But we're now doing it. We're, well, so we're, we're not like doing it. It feels like there's a lot of, we're not doing it, yeah. but it feels like there's definitely some misleading going on. So it's just crazy to believe that we are here again. Yeah. Having these conversations. Well, but you know, we ran into a situation where finally there was actually, we, we knew it was going to happen at some point in the school year, right? That that uh, there was going to be a, again, I'm using air quotes, a positive case, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, they had like an instructor who I guess saw children. Could we just stop with the testing? Oh, I know. Just Can quit it. Can we just stop with the testing? It does not imply infection. It doesn't. It wasn't designed for that. Okay, even the dude that invented it said, said it can't be used says for that. It. it can be used as a diagnostic tool. It's only approved under EUA. Can we just stop? Well, and and, and again, I come back it has to no the controls. I come back to the thing. We keep talking about cases. Was anybody sick? Don't we know. don't know. We don't know. Maybe. But but they don't that can be shared. That they don't give you that information. Yeah. So because a, a little uh, line shows up on a test, all hell's got to break loose, right? Yeah. And so you know, so what? What basically, if we boil the story down, an instructor tested positive. By the way, uh, almost a week after the supposed contact occurred. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's like, well, crap. Okay, so then our kid was around other kids for a week. You know uh, that led up to before the the individual which got we their totally test, don't care. which we don't care. But I'm saying I'm saying that's the silliness of all this. My my child has no symptoms, and uh, uh, only three children were were asked uh, to quarantine. Asked to quarantine. We're like, okay, what about all the other children? <laughs> and so our child and and two other kids had to stay home pretty much all week. They could re- if you wanted to go get a test. You could come back, and it was and it was yeah. negative. You could come back the next day, mm-hmm. um, or if, if you don't want to participate, you have to stay home. So there's a coercion right there, yeah. which people don't get. A lot of the parents still don't get it. I'm like, okay, they are coercing us to go undergo a medical procedure. They give you no guarantees of how this is going to affect your child. You know, physical, psychological, mental. You know, uh, health, short term or long term. Oh, but they're like, but you don't have to participate. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's also a violation of the <laughs> coercion, okay? <laughs> do I need to read, list all the laws? Because I can't do that. Because I know them by heart by now. And so um, we had to keep our child home all week. I mean, we didn't have well, to. Well, we didn't have to, right? But I mean, we weren't going we to participate it was just in this charade of a, a test. It was just a messy situation. I mean, we, again... We can pull out and get out of the system. And I think slowly we were finding out that 
you know, that's the way to the light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if everybody's just going to break the laws and ignore the laws, and then any private business or private entity can tell you to do whatever they want you to do with your body in order to participate in society, then, you know, what's the point of being in society? Well, and that kind of ties into what we read early on, you know, uh, the, the quote I said, uh, one is all and buy it all and for it all. And if it does not contain all, then all is nothing. So the, that particular author, Dan Crashley, was uh, referring to uh, the fact that 100%, particip- 100% participation is being required here. And it's really at all levels. In fact, I was just reading, I don't have the, the clip on me, maybe I can find it, um, the article link, but uh, there was like a secretly recorded conversation with, I think it was a New Jersey uh, congressman who was saying that, you know, the reason they're pushing the mass in schools is to teach the children that this is the right thing. You know, it's not that they see any benefit, is that they're teaching them that this is the right thing so that they don't question it when they are older. You know, they will ingrain it into their brain. And I think that's the thing that we've tried to say about this whole thing, because a lot of people will say, oh, my kid's not really bothered by the mask. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal for me. You know, if my child... They're not really complaining. Yeah, but but there is something mental going on. There is an accept... You know, there is a uh, invisible acceptance that's happening, you know, on on a condition of your reality, Mm -hmm. right? A distress of yourself. You cannot go out into the world without having that. In, In a lot of ways, it's kind of like, you know how do we feel when we leave the house without our phone? You know, we've actually psychologically conditioned, I think to a certain extent, we've done that to ourselves. But I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that that uh, a lot of the marketing and whatnot too you makes you believe that you have to you have that. You never know when you're going to have an emergency. It is your tool for, for... your safety. It's your tool for interacting with the world. And, and I'll admit, for your safety. if I leave and I don't have it on me, it feels like there's something off, you know what I mean, and 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 it's weird, and I you know it goes away because I, I I come to the realization, okay, I don't need it, I don't need it, but but I mean there is a mental thing there that's kind of pinging me, and and uh, the mass thing is the same thing, it's that repetition of it, it's that look, this is just what you do, this is how you take care of others, and mm-hmm. and you it's don't like your question safety it. Safety blanket, right? So it's turning like a safety blanket for children, really. Yeah, and so. Um, so it's a big deal for us, and uh, we're not going to play that that game. And so, you know, we had to go through that, and the our child stayed home, which you know we made the best of it. We we ended up having a play date uh, all for several, days. for several days with the one of the other children that was kept out of school too. We just let him stay at our house for three days, and uh, uh, it was a great opportunity for them to get to know each other, yeah, you know, and make a a, a long lasting friendship. So that was cool. Um, but then, uh, you know, we were a little bit torn, you know, uh, because the, the situation escalated because then we did kind of confirm who the individual was that tested positive. I mean, yeah. And then it loosely, loosely. And then it, and then it seems like the the, hush, hush. they ended up quarantining, uh, another class, uh, Shoe classes. which one of the classes we think was where that individual's daughter also attended. Again, these are things we don't have all the data, but this is what we piece together. And and this is the other piece. One was a kindergarten class. (laughs) Yeah. But this is what's infuriating is that they can do all of this, but they don't have to give you any information. 
Mm-hmm. Right. We well, can't, you have to hand out all your But you have to hand out everything. You have to give them tests. You have to explain to them, you know, contact trace, who mm-hmm. have you been around. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to give you any information. Mm-hmm. So here they are kind of hiding behind this HIPAA, you know, thing. and Because and, they could just... Or privacy. Or privacy. It is. It is a part of the U.S. Constitution, right? No, but but I'm saying they are uh, breaking the law oh, by by enforcing things on yeah. us, but then they turn around and use it as a tool yeah. for themselves. And so... Yeah, it's a mind fuck, really. Yeah. So anyway, so we, we got through the week, and uh, I mean, our child did miss out on a week of, of uh, education, um, but uh, he's back that at school. That we're still paying for. That we're still paying for anyway. And we're not even in cold and flu season. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I can only imagine that this is going to... Uh, uh, escalate and basically what they came to the conclusion of is that they're going to require masks through I think uh, the tenth or eleventh of November and if and then that's when the board meeting happens yeah Isn't that yeah apropos? yeah and then if there's what, how that's gonna go if there's no new cases right then they can lift it so you know again we're just kind of going into that cold and flu season I mean what are the odds somebody else is gonna have the sniffles and then maybe use a crappy test. You know, I mean, it just seems like we're we're heading into this uh, downward spiral. Um, well, if we're meant to get out, yeah, we we're meant to get, get out. out. We're meant to get you out. Know? We, we are but, we are still hanging on to the system. You're right, <laughs> but you know, th- dear life, there but... is that there is that not not that you can't keep that sense of community, but I mean, I will tell you, you know, the kids going to the same school, yeah, no. I get it. I mean, it's they want to be there. You know, it is funny because as a child, I never wanted to go to school. So yeah. it's weird to see that my children do want to go to school. So they must be, you know, happy there. Yeah. But at the same time, there are all these, you know, all these situations that are not mentally healthy either. So what do you do? And then that leads us to... Uh, you know, we've kind of uh, both come full circle on our employment situation, right? With- well, I mean, you know, my situation is kind of like still like nobody's talking about anything. But I mean, you you've gotten I mean, approved I with your exemption. The app. You know, in, in my situation, there's like it's a, like just a form. Like you click a button, and if you want to say some comments, you can. Is different than your situation. Um, They're not getting back to you or anything? I mean, I haven't been, you know, specifically addressed or targeted. I don't know how to even say I haven't been contacted. Let's put it that way. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. But, you know, I did my part. I did what I was asked to do, even though I feel like it's, you know, none of their business what I do with my body. But... You know, I caved there. But your situation is a little bit different where you had to affirm your beliefs. And, you know, I feel like it's not their place to approve or not approve yeah, yeah, because, stuff. Yeah, well, it's, how so are you're they affirming gonna, your personal beliefs. Is, isn't that a funny thing? It's like yeah. I, I was I was interested to see where they're going to debate me <laughs> on my, my, my religious beliefs, you know. And and, and, uh, and I'll admit, you know, the, the thing I used was uh, – it was a very good researched uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, verbiage and everything, and mm-hmm. and so uh, uh, I submitted that on Friday, and it was kind we of. We really it. have 
great friends. They're very, very knowledgeable about everything that's going on. So it's kind of cool to have these tools resources. And, these resources. Yeah. and plus we're pretty resourceful. We are. Ourselves. As we said in, what was it, like our last episode, you know, gotta, you know, when the his, the risk is high, you gotta be smarter, so. Well, we are resourceful at getting ourselves out of jams that we are often, um, that we often get ourselves into. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so, true. Uh, but on the, uh, on the situation I had, it was actually quite You're interesting. as we go. Because uh, my company, you know, they said that you were going to have to declare whether you were getting your shots and you would have them done by December 8th, or if you were going to be submitting a, re- a religious exemption and you had to have or that. a medical, right? Uh, you, you yeah. should have had a medical. Yeah, I guess, well, yeah, I guess there was a medical too. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and there should have been a philosophical too. That was the not there. Missouri, that was not there. But there should have been. But um, they wanted you to have that submitted by the 1st of November. And so basically what was happening was every time, this was starting maybe a week and a half ago, I was getting an email, you know, like a form email sent to me every day, you know, stating you haven't declared your vaccination status. Please do that at this link, you know, every day. And then as we got to the last, you know, four or five days, uh, I was getting a secondary email from my director who was stating, well, if you're getting this email, then that means that you still haven't submitted your vaccination, uh, uh, submission and and uh, uh please do that and so then uh, i we i got a uh, notice on friday because you know we're getting right to the first right that's the last work day before the first and uh, uh the um my director sent an email and i it it, it kind of flew over my head i didn't notice it but then he had sent a a reply email to that same message where he apologized because what he had done was forgot to use the BCC, and he actually the blind, the blind carbon, carbon copy, copy on the email, and so everyone who hadn't submitted their submission was shown in the header of the email, which wasn't a ton of names. It was probably like twenty names, maybe not even that, maybe seventeen or eighteen. And uh, but you know, you could kind of infer that if those people hadn't done that by then, they were probably still really mulling over. You know, and there might be a good chance that they were they were not sure what they were going to do. And so now uh, I, I found that intriguing. I was like, oh, well, now I know some other people who might be mm-hmm. allies, you know, that I can reach out to. And it actually did allow me to reach out to one of my uh, close colleagues. However, I didn't know she was in that camp, um, but I work with her almost every day. And and so we were able to kind of connect on that. And so that was really cool. But I, I, I just thought that was really intriguing that that uh, made a big misstep like that. Or was it a misstep? You know, I mean, what was maybe, he potentially calling people out? To me, it was a out? blessing, right? Yeah, because, yeah. To you, because then you know, like in my company, I, I just don't know. Yeah, you don't have any clue. I don't know. And I don't know who is safe to talk to about and who's not. <laughs> now, you haven't identified anyone that's safe? Um, no. Wow. Like Not crazy. a single one. Yeah. I mean, I at least have maybe three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now with this this list, I, I have maybe another three or four I could maybe reach out to. I have employees. I have, you know. That's pretty I have nutty. suspicions, but... But, but you, then again, I work in healthcare. So, you true, know, people are, true. are very passionate about pharmaceuticals. But then, you know, that leads me to... Um, 
wanting to play this clip from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yes, let's do it. Okay, let's do it right here, and then we can talk about it a little bit. Kennedy Jr. here from Children's Health Defense. No government in history ever surrendered power in the absence of a demand. And on November 3rd, we're going to make that demand. That is the day that we want you to join us in the worldwide walkout. Don't stay in your house. Get off the couch. Join us on the streets. We need to tell these governments, their friends in the technocracy, their Silicon Valley billionaire boys club, the mainstream media and all of their allies in the pharmaceutical industry, that we will no longer tolerate them trampling on our freedom of expression, our freedom of speech, our freedom to worship, our property rights, our rights to jury trial, all the rights that they have stolen from us over the past year, on November 3rd, we begin the counteroffensive to reclaim those rights. Join us on this street, Children's Health Defense, November 3rd, Worldwide Walkout. Thank you. So Worldwide Walkout, November 3rd, um, which is basically call in sick. And, uh, but he's like, don't stay on your couch. You know, go out, do something, protest, uh, whatever live Record stream a podcast episode yeah or, yeah uh, start a podcast right start it, a podcast start a blog start <laughs> or 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 call somebody that you think that you yeah. could have a a quality conversation ab- about this and start somebody that process that yeah yeah i think if you reach out to people you know i i was talking in fact another gentleman that i work with you know uh he we we've talked about this. He's one of those allies, but, but I mean, I could tell he's not, he's not in that pro he's not in that part of the process that we are because we've been, we've been cooking for a long time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we've been in the oven. He, he, he's just walked up to the heat, you know? Yeah. And, and so he's a little uncomfortable with it. Uh, you know, he actually got his first shot and, uh, um, I said, I sent some information. I said, look, you know, I don't judge you. You do it. You know, he had concerns because he's the sole breadwinner uh, for his family. And, uh, you know, he felt like it was just, he was going to be forced to do it. And I told him, well, look, you know, I, I don't judge you. I'm not going to, but, but I mean, I also care about you. You know, uh, I care about you. I, I, I go at the end of the day, you know, you're worried about being able to take care of your family financially. That's why you're, you're doing this. But can you take care of your family if you drop dead of a heart attack? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You or can't, whatever side effect. Or whatever side effect. Yeah. Are, are you going to be able to? nobody's going to relate to so your medical procedure. They're, they're not going to give you a... Uh, uh, and, and, and actually, I'm not even sure, depending on which vaccine, I don't know which one he got or anything, but um, depending on if he got you know one that's under EUA, you might not even get insurance benefits if uh, because it's an experimental treatment. They mm-hmm. might look at it Five and say... Five. Hey, you took the risk. We're not going to pay out that money, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. You knew it was under, you know, EUA. Yeah. So, uh, so it was really rough, and uh, I, I just wanted him to know. I said, look, you know, I'll certainly tell you that I think that if you have concerns, then you know, don't get the second shot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You got the first, but mm-hmm. don't get the second because they say the second one is much worse A than doozy. the first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also mentioned, I say, I, I guess I. I just don't see the end game because like we've established here, you're going to be getting these every yeah, six yeah, months. The CDC already, you know, are changing their uh, fully vaccinated uh, 
guideline pretty soon to the three shots. So it's a program. Yeah, right? it's a program that you sign up for life. And and this is the point that I want to make. And and uh, again, I come back to that 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 uh, quote talking about the metaverse earlier. Um, this may seem like a stretch kind of linking this all together, but I do think... How many stretches have we made? Have, yeah, how many stretches anyway. have we made here? But, <laughs> you guys are used to it. <laughs> but I do think that um, the metaverse is something we've been learning a lot about recently. We mentioned it in the, the, the episode back from our break. and uh, You think COVID is scary? You have no, have no idea. idea. Yeah, well, and, and so what, el- what else happened within the last week? Well, Facebook renamed their parent company from Facebook to Meta. Okay, you may not be aware of that. Now, Facebook will will stay Facebook, but it's just a property that is now owned by the Meta company. And something you may, something you may not be aware of is that Google did something similar a few years back where they, they changed the parent company's name to Alphabet. And uh, uh, Google is just a property under Alphabet. Um, but so the same thing just happened with Facebook. And the reason they did that was because they didn't feel like the uh, application of Facebook really reflected where they're going technologically as a company, even though they'll always have Facebook, you know, they're developing these new technologies and Facebook properties. Facebook was the carrot. Yeah. And so they're wanting to be kind of the, the masters of the metaverse. And uh, that's why they want to kind of lay stake to the, the claim of that name. So, you know, let's let's talk a little bit from uh, The Verge online magazine. What is the real metaverse? There's no universally accepted definition of a real metaverse, except maybe that it's a fancier successor to the internet. Silicon Valley metaverse proponents sometimes reference a description from venture capitalist Matthew Ball, author of the extensive metaverse primer. The metaverse is an expansive network of persistent real-time rendered 3D worlds and simulations that support continuity of identity, objects, history, payments, and entitlements, and can be experienced synchronously by an effectively unlimited number of users, each with an individual sense of presence. Facebook, arguably the tech company with the biggest stake in the metaverse, describes it more simply. The metaverse is a set of virtual spaces where you can create and explore with other people who aren't in the same physical space as you. There are also broader metaverse-related taxonomies, like one from game designer uh, Rafe Koster, who draws a distinction between online worlds, multiverses, and metaverses. To Koster, online worlds are digital spaces from rich 3D environments to text-based ones focused on one main theme. Multiverses are multiple different worlds connected in a network which do not have a shared theme or rule set, including Ready Player One's Oasis. And a metaverse is a multiverse which interoperates more with the real world, incorporating things like augmented reality overlays, virtual reality dressing rooms for real stores, and even apps like Google Maps. If you want something a little snarkier and more impressionistic, you can cite digital scholar Janet Murray, who has described the modern metaverse ideal as a magical Zoom meeting that has all the playful release of Animal Crossing. So that animals or that uh, uh, article is a little bit longer. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, on the surface, the metaverse seems like just oh, okay, virtual reality. I, I know virtual reality; that's been around forever. But there are a set of technologies that are being incorporated across this virtual reality because you know they mentioned here that it's multiple networks that are kind of conjoined 
um, centralized. centralized. And with centralization, we know that there are a lot of uh, avenues for control, right? Because there are individuals. It's total control, yeah. It's total control. And they so, can change the rules whenever they want. And, and uh, what Facebook, you know, you may not know this, but Facebook bought Oculus Rift several years ago. Oculus is one of the largest manufacturers of VR headsets and oh, systems. Yeah. They, they bought them, I think it was like uh, maybe four years ago, four or five years ago. And so they've continued to be developing that technology. And uh, you may say, well, I mean, I, I don't do anything virtual reality. I mean, that seemed like a craze, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that was a few years ago, and I haven't heard a whole lot more from it. But there's actually quite a bit of development going on there. And uh, uh, again, there are multiple things happening. And we want to go into some of those, but they're heady topics. We, we're obviously not going to get into it here. We're already an hour in on the podcast. But we just want to preview, and we want to um, try to draw the, 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 the connections into what we're experiencing with uh, COVID. And when we talk about this 100% participation, you know, we've been asking the question here the whole time that we've been doing the, or the uh, podcast is, why do they want these shots in your arm? What is so important about that, about everyone participating when we know that these shots do not stop transmission and they do not stop infection? So there is a... There is an indoctrination if they can get, if they can create the the um, uh, uh, the variables that force people to participate, that mix, right? It's a perfect mix of pressure at work, school for kids, you know, not being able to access your resources like restaurants, uh, movie theaters, event venues, all this. It's, it's, it's constant pressure all over. What is that perfect cocktail of pressure that gets us to near 100% participation? Because if they can break that code, then what we're saying here with the metaverse is the only way that actually functions is if they have 100% participation, meaning people are moving into that realm. And then you may say, well, well, I don't understand. Well, what's the significance of that? Well, in the metaverse, resources are unlimited because they're virtual, okay? Now, obviously, you and I both know that we need food to stay alive. Mm-hmm. We need shelter. But remember, the what we have in the form of shelter and, and food could be limited down to just the bare necessities, right? And then everything else that you get from an experiential standpoint can be provided virtually. Mm-hmm. And the resources are unlimited. That reminds me of the Matrix, you know? That no, 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 no. It's very much like where that. Where they were all in those tanks, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and they mentioned Ready Player One. Did you watch that movie with me? I think I did. And, Is and it the one that they are in the motorcycle inside like the game? Inside the game, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so... You know that's a famous book, and mm-hmm. and that basically is uh, positioning the fact that you know in the future, people live virtually, mm-hmm. right? And they live in squalor. You know they're kind of in favelas, right, you know, right, in, right, in these right. shanty towns, and then, mm-hmm. uh, but they 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 spend what little money they have in investing in these systems so that they can 
go into the virtual world. And mm-hmm. then in there, they they lead very rich lives where, you know, they can actually look the way they want to look. They yeah. can dress the way they want to dress. They can travel to all of these far off places. And, and uh, you might say, oh, Leah, what you're, you're, you're saying that, that, Ready Player One is where they want to take us. Well, <laughs> well, look. I mean, I'm, I'm. What I'm going to tell you is, is that what we're seeing is, is that in the the traditional world as we know it, they're at a point where they cannot sustain the level of consumption anymore in the physical realm. That's what realm. they are saying. That's what they are okay, saying. That's okay. Well, we've been sold since we we're little. But no. But when I say they, I mean the powers that be. I think the world could sustain it. I, I'm saying yeah, the, yeah. The, the individuals mm-hmm. that are parsing yeah. reality can't figure out how to keep this up with the growing population. Mm-hmm. So what they do is if they can shift people into this virtual space, and it's much more complicated than just saying people are going to put on 3D glasses. It, it, it's actually how you're going to interact with services and all of this. It's using blockchain technology again in a centralized format not a decentralized which is what we are for mm-hmm. um, in a centralized format blockchain can be actually very very uh, painful for the users mm-hmm. because it is actually manipulating your behavior rewarding acceptable behavior and then uh, uh, punishing uh, mm-hmm. uh, less than wanted behavior yeah. um, like what is already happening in China right the social, social credit, credit system, system. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they're already playing with these online uh, metaverses over there. They yeah, actually, the vaccine passport. I mean, that's like the first step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and another thing with metaverses, uh, you know, they mentioned like augmented reality. So everywhere you go, there's a layer of information that exists on top of the world that you live in. And so if you actually have these devices, you know, whether it's smartphones or, or glasses that are connected, you know, to uh, online systems or whatever, then you can interact with this information, you know, and, and it is going to either allow you to get access into some things or not get access, but it's a whole layer of data. Mm-hmm. It's metadata, okay, that you have access to if you are subscribed to the network and you're playing the game. But if you are saying, look, I want to live in the real world, and I want to be connected to nature, well, that's where they're trying to kind of break you apart mm-hmm. from that. Sever you and, from nature. And, now and, that you can't breathe fresh well, air, you can't be outside, you can't be with people. And I mentioned the phone. Remember I mentioned the example of the phone not feeling okay mm-hmm. when you leave the house with the phone? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really uh, uh, tying into that same feeling Mm-hmm. of the phone like mm-hmm. you need the phone to be whole it's part of yourself they're using that to now get you into this limitless world where they'll entice you with experiential bonus points and systems and all of this and we and we see things like that if you think of like the gaming systems of roblox and and uh uh um uh Call of Duty, whatever you know, you you win points. You you buy these virtual uh, um, uh, items. You know whether it's if it's, you if you uh, sell your DNA. Oh yeah, yeah. It, you get so many Roblox Robux Robux. So so they're conditioning the children already. Well, and and, and again, we're giving you just a really 
uh, brief snippet of it, but it is it will blow you away some of the research and um, studies that these think tanks are doing around these systems like the Roblox system. These they're actually using how people live in these silly virtual worlds to denote how they program and dictate how things work in some of these more uh, what you would consider realistic virtual worlds. And I mean, it again, the, the stuff that, that uh, we've uncovered, to me, it, I had to listen to it two or three times just to fully, you know, kind of assimilate it. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to get into that. Uh, again, that's going to be uh, Allison McDowell, who, who's kind of driving that discussion. She's done a lot of content. Um, I was going to play a clip. I know we're already at an hour and seven minutes. Maybe mm-hmm. we should just save that clip. Mm-hmm. Or for the next uh, episode, but uh, we kind of wanted to lead into that. But we thought that was important to mention that was going on because Facebook, obviously, with the billions of people that are signed up into that, they are ushering into the next technological wave, the world. And you know whether you and I want that or not, we don't want to be part of Facebook. We're going to see a large part of the world go that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to make sure that we're we're seeing and we're saying, okay, look, we see this for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know what they're, you know, when, when people first started using Facebook, they didn't realize what was going on. They didn't, no. they didn't realize they were handing over very valuable things. Being private information. Their private information. You know, just, they didn't have to uh, torture you to get that information. Yeah, you, you just handed you just it over. Handed it over. And, and uh, so people didn't know that. And by the time they did figure it out and the news started to actually report on what was going on, people were so addicted mm-hmm. to being You're in still that on world. Facebook. I'm, I, I don't post on Facebook anymore. I do still consume. I do post from time to time. Yeah. But I rarely go in there. And, and uh, uh, but I mean, it's interesting. Once they get you to a point of where it's just become part of your everyday life, then it's so much easier to just accept it, mm-hmm. just like the mask. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just like the mask. So I hope I'm doing a good job kind of connecting some dots here, mm-hmm. you know, and showing you how insidious this actually is. Mm-hmm. And so what we would like to do is kind of be canaries in the coal mine and say, hey, understand what you're getting into. And that's really uh, the, the and end. And before we sign up the children too, right? Our it, children understanding, okay, how does that feel? What does that look like, you know, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Do we really want to be enrolling them, you know, or are offering them, you know, devices and, you know? Well, l- let me let me end on this one quote um, that, that kind of sums it up. This is also the Stan Crashley. It's the later part of, of what he is talking about regarding the metaverse. He says, the metaverse is offering all the trappings of a masochistic, highly addictive realm, pushing the mind's limits to extremes, even self-harm as a way to overpower delirious states provoked by immersive hyperstimulation, a purgatory for extremophiles and lost souls. Thus, one becomes depleted, mentally malnourished with poor material substance left to recycle and rebuild oneself from again, which makes every subsequent iteration of the self lesser than the one before. Record 
records of the infinity double ring can be dated back to ancient Egypt. One papyrus reads that one is all and by it all and for it all and of it all does not contain all. Then all is nothing. The success of the metaverse reality depends on wholesale participation. It is the reason why we are being subjected to high-level psychological and social engineering experiments demanding 100% participation, a training exercise for the big reveal. Their end game is enslavement of humanity and total control over all life. Be clear on what your end game is going to look like. Knowledge is power, Knowledge people. is power. All right. Fabi, that's another episode in the books. What do you want to tell people? Hey, people, stay healthy, stay safe, stay curious. <laughs>